introductory note part one and part two of sketches of slave life by peter randolph this librivox recording is in the public domain introductory note by samuel may jr it was on the morning of the fifteenth of september eighteen forty seven that i learned from a constant and true friend to the slave mr robert r crosby that a large company of colored people said to be emancipated slaves from virginia were then landing from a schooner at long wharf i immediately went thither and found the report correct the people in question were in part upon the wharf and some had not yet left the vessel i entered into conversation with several of their number and learned that they had been slaves in prince george county virginia on the estate of mr carter h edloe on the james river mr edloe died in eighteen forty four and by will provided for the emancipation of his slaves and for the payment to each one of fifty dollars whenever they should elect to receive their freedom and go out of the state of virginia with a few of his slaves for a special reason he had dealt with much more liberally the provisions of mr edloe's will it would appear however were not carried out in the spirit of the testator and there is reason to believe that the executor designedly deceived and wronged the slaves they were kept at work upon the estate as slaves for more than three years after their master's death on the pretence that there was not money sufficient to pay them the sum which the will specified at the end of that time in despair of obtaining their rights under the will the larger part of the people determined to take what they could get which was less than fifteen dollars each and go to a free state there were sixty-six of them of both sexes and of all ages from seventy-five years down to infancy who decided to go to boston their passage was secured in the schooner thomas h thompson wixon master by which vessel they arrived in boston as stated above such was the story told to me and i may add that further inquiries have entirely satisfied me of its correctness i found these emancipated people without exception desirous of obtaining situations where they might at once go to work none fearing but that they could support themselves and their families if they could find employment of course i expressed my readiness to aid them in obtaining places if they wished to do so the offer was gratefully accepted and without much loss of time places were found out of the city for about one-half of them the remainder found homes and occupation in the city or its immediate vicinity eight years have now nearly elapsed during which time i have observed the course of these emancipated slaves with attention and with some curiosity i regarded the experiment they were making as an exceedingly interesting one such an one as if successful ought to convince even the most sceptical of the ability of the colored man even when reared in the ignorance and partial dependence which the condition of slavery imposes to take care of himself for this was not a company of slaves selected for any special capacity or of such as by their own skill and daring had achieved freedom they were the ordinary working force of one plantation of all ages and capacities and in various states of health and might be presumed to be a fair representation of the average condition at least of virginia slaves 
the experiment if any choose so to regard it has had a fair trial and has resulted i can truly say very much to their credit since the first few months after their arrival when on account of their destitution and the strangeness of a new home occasional help was needed by a number of them the instances in which they have sought charitable aid have been few and infrequent even an aged and nearly worn-out man of their number for six years maintained himself by his daily labour and only ceased to attempt it longer when told that he must desist by reason of infirmity of age at upwards of fourscore years generally so far as my knowledge extends they have secured for themselves a sufficient though frugal living and some of them have decidedly prospered and in regard to sobriety honesty and general good conduct they will not suffer by comparison with any like number of people in the community it affords me a sincere pleasure to be able to give this testimony in behalf of these people our hardly treated brethren for unusually fortunate as they were in having a master so eccentric as to believe that his slaves desired liberty and were entitled to it yet their lot in slavery left as it ever must on body and mind indelible marks of its blighting power when all the untoward disheartening soul-crushing influences of their former life are considered it seems to me not less surprising than it is honourable to themselves that they have used their liberty so justly and so well i think it well to subjoin their names and ages from a list taken by me at the time of their arrival some of them have gone where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest lucy fountain seventy six charles fountain about forty william fountain about forty carter selden forty seven wife and six children levi scott about seventy five daniel blank peter randolph twenty seven wife and child anthony randolph twenty four richard randolph twenty two james randolph ten wyatt lee twenty five wife and two children frank churchwell fifty four adam harrison fifty five george mayerson forty five wife and two children burry robeson wife and two children davy mead forty five patty mead his wife torrington ruffin thirty six wife and four children william archie thirty two wife and five children davy jones forty andrew clark twenty three wife and child henry carter and wife amy richardson twenty nine two children judy griffin twenty six two children fanny bailey thirty sam jones twenty four richard whiting jack harrison twenty nine ralph webb twenty four peter taylor thirty six the unpretending work written by one of the above sixty-six is commended to the public as wholly trustworthy and deserving of their favour samuel may jr chapter one the system the good anti-slavery men have very much to contend with in their exertions for the cause of freedom many people will not believe their statements call them unreasonable and fanatical some call them ignorant deceivers who have never been out of their own home and yet pretend to a knowledge of what is going on a thousand miles from them 
many call them dangerous members of society sowing discord and distrust where there should be naught but peace and brotherly love my readers give attention to the simple words of one who knows what he utters is true who is no stranger to the beauties of slavery or the generosity of the slaveholder spend a few moments in reading his statement in regard to the system of american slavery do not scoff or doubt he writes what he does know what he has seen and experienced for he has been for twenty-seven years of his life a slave and he here solemnly pledges himself to truth not once has he exaggerated for he could not the half of the woes and horrors of slavery his feeble pen could not portray this system is one of robbery and cruel wrong from beginning to end it robs men and women of their liberty lives property affections and virtue as the following pages will show it is not only a source of misery to those in bonds but those who fasten the chains are made wretched by it for a state of war constantly exists between the master and servant the one would enforce obedience to his every wish however wrong and unjust he would exact all the earnings of the slave to the uttermost farthing the latter feels the restraint and writhes under it he sees the injustice and at times attempts to assert his rights but he must submit either to the command or the lash obey implicitly he must the argument so often brought forward that it would be for the interest of the owner to treat his slaves well and of course he would not injure his own interests may do for some but not for the thinking and considerate when does the angry tyrant reflect upon what in the end will be the best for him to gratify his passion for the moment to wreak out his revenge upon a helpless menial is at the time of excitement his interest and he will serve it well many argue that the southern masters are not to blame for this wrong they inherited it from their fathers it is said and what can they do get rid of it would it be sensible to suppose that generation after generation were justifiable in becoming drunkards because some ancestor had been certainly not any person who reasons thus would be considered insane if my father stole or murdered would that excuse me for committing the same crimes no we all know better than that again it is said the slaveholder has bought them and paid his money for them perhaps his whole property is in them should he give them up and beggar himself if his property consists in human beings surely he should give it up though he starved in consequence of whom has he bought them who can own humanity but the great creator as the good vermont judge said show a bill of sale from the almighty and we acknowledge your claim some will say the slaveholder cannot live without the negro the climate will not permit the white man to toil there very well admit it then let him grant to men their rights make them free citizens pay them justly for their honest toil and see the consequences all would be happier and better slavery enriches not the mind heart or soil where it abides it curses and blights everything it comes in contact with away away with tear up by the roots these noxious weeds which choke the growth of all fair plants and sow in their stead the beauteous flowers of freedom well watered by the pure waters of religion and what a rich harvest will be yours chapter two 
slaves on the plantation the slave goes to his work when he sees the daybreak in the morning and works until dark at night the slaves have their food carried to them in the field they have one half hour to eat it in in the winter and one hour in the summer their time for eating is about eight in the morning and one in the afternoon sometimes they have not so much time given to them the overseer stands by them until they have eaten and then he orders them to work the slaves return to their huts at night make their little fires and lie down until they are awakened for another day of toil no beds are given them to sleep on if they have any they find them themselves the women and men all have to work on the farms together they must fare alike in slavery husbands and wives must see all that happens to each other and witness the sufferings of each they must see their children polluted without the power to prevent it how the slaves contrive to get food there are some animals in virginia called raccoons possums old hares and squirrels the best of these is the possum which lives in old trees and in the earth the slave sets his trap in the swamps where the possum usually lives the traps are made by cutting down trees and cutting them in short pieces about five feet long then they raise the log on three pieces of stick like the figure four these traps are made on the sabbath one slave will sometimes have fifteen or twenty of them and will go at night with his torch of pitch pine and see if his traps have caught anything for him to eat sometimes he finds a possum and a raccoon and sometimes a squirrel and old hare this old hare is something like a rabbit all of these animals are good food for the poor slave and make him feel very glad that he has them to eat some of the slaves hunt these animals with dogs trained for the purpose they run them up the trees in the forest where as they are a harmless animal they can be taken very easily they do not fight very hard when caught but are very easily overcome but they are a deceitful little animal they will lie on the ground and make you think they are dead but if you leave them they will creep off so soon that you cannot conceive how the little animal got away so cute the only way they can be kept safely is to be put in a bag or in a basket with a cover the slave knows best when to hunt these creatures the best time is just at the rise of the tide in the rivers there is another method that the slave takes to get his food he makes what is called a fish trap this is made by cutting white oak wood into very small strips which are tied together with a great deal of ingenuity this trap is set in the very deep water and attended by the slaves at night and on the sabbath this being all the time they have to attend to their traps and very glad are they of this opportunity of getting some nice fish oftentimes the overseer will take what he wants for his own use and the slaves must submit there are some little fruits in virginia that are called simmons they grow very plentifully and are sweet and good the slaves get them in the fall of the year then they get a barrel and put the simmons into it and put water there too and something else that grows on trees that they call locusts which are about ten inches long and two across they put the locusts and simmons into the water together and let them stand for two or three days then the water is drained off and the leaves are used as you would use coffee the slaves put this liquid in gourds and carry it to the field with them and drink out of their gourds while they eat their bread house slaves 
when the slave-master owns a great many slaves ten or a dozen are always employed to wait on himself and family they are not treated so cruelly as the field slaves they are better fed and wear better clothing because the master and his family always expect to have strangers visit them and they want their servants to look well these slaves eat from their master's table wear broadcloth and calico they wear ruffled bosomed shirts too such as dr nehemiah adams declares he saw while on his visit to the south where he became so much in love with the peculiar institution these slaves although dressed and fed better than others have to suffer alike with those whose outward condition is worse they are much to be compared to galvanized watches which shine and resemble gold but are far from being the true metal so with these slaves who wait upon their masters at table their broadcloth and calico look fine but you may examine their persons and find many a lash upon their flesh they are sure of their whippings and are sold the same as others sometimes their masters change and put them on the farm that the overseers may whip them among those who wait upon the master there is always one to watch the others and report them to him this slave is treated as well as his master because it is for the master's interest that he does this this slave he always carries with him when he visits the north particularly such slaves as cannot be made to leave their master because they are their master's watchdog at home so master can trust them before leaving master always talks very kindly to them and promises something very great for a present if they are true to him until his return these slaves know what they must say when asked as to their treatment at home and of the treatment of their fellows they leave their wives their mothers brothers and sisters and children toiling and being driven and whipped by the overseer and tortured and insulted on every occasion deception of the slaveholder all the slaves as well as their owners are addicted to drinking so when the slaveholder wants to make a show of his niggers as he calls them he gives them rum to drink when the master knows a northern man is to visit him he gives orders to the overseer and the overseer orders every slave to dress himself and appear on the field if the slaves have any best they must put it on perhaps a man has worked hard extra times all the year and got his wife a fourpenny gown she must put it on and go to the field to work about the time the stranger is expected a jug of rum is sent to the field and every slave has just enough given him to make him act as if he was crazy when such a stranger as rev dr adams appears with the master he does not see the negroes but the rum that is in them and when he hears their hurrah and sees their jim crow actions he takes it for granted that they are as happy as need be and their condition could not be bettered the owner gives the visitor liberty to ask his niggers questions he will ask them if they love their master or wish to leave him poor slave will say he would not leave his master for the world but oh my reader just let the poor slave get off and he would be in canada very soon where the slaveholder dare not venture the slaves do not speak for themselves the slaveholding master and his rum are working in their heads speaking for slavery and this is the way the slaveholder deceives his friend from the north flogging for whipping the slaves in virginia there are no rules 
the slave receives from the slaveholder from fifty to five hundred lashes the slave owner would think fifty stripes an insult to the slave if the slave is let off with fifty lashes he must show a very good temper men women and children must be whipped alike on their bare backs it being considered an honour to whip them over their clothes the slaves are placed in a certain position when they are flogged with sufficient management to hold them very still so they cannot work their hands or feet while they are wooding them up as they call it in virginia some of the slaves have to lie down on their stomachs flat on the ground and be stretched out so as to keep their skin tight for the lash and thus lie until they receive as much as they choose to put on if they move they must receive so many lashes extra when the slaveholder expects to give his slave five hundred lashes he gives him about half at a time then he washes him down with salt and water and gives him the remainder of what he is to have at such times the slave-owner has his different liquors to drink while he is engaged in draining the blood of the slave so he continues to drink his rum and whip his victim when he does not flog his victims on the ground they are tied by their hands and swung up to a great tree just so the ends of their toes may touch the ground in this way they receive what number of lashes they are destined to the master has straw brought that the blood may not touch his shoes ah reader this is true every word of it the poor slave is whipped till the blood runs down to the earth and then he must work all day cold or hot from week's end to week's end there are hundreds of slaves who change their skins nearly as often as they have a new suit of clothes end of introductory note and parts one and two